Welcome to Mayo Clinic's ECG segment, Making Waves, continuing medical education podcast. Join us every other week for a lively discussion on the latest and greatest in the field of electrocardiography. We'll discuss some of the exciting and innovative work happening at Mayo Clinic and beyond with the most brilliant minds in the space and provide valuable insights that can be directly applied to your practice. Welcome to Mayo Clinic's ECG segment, Making Waves. We're so glad you could join us. Today, we have an exciting episode planned for you as we discuss remote cardiac monitoring from the development to the practical implementation. We'll be joined by not only a leader in this field, but also someone who has invented and developed products available on the global market today. And in full disclosure to our audience, Mayo Clinic and today's guests have an ongoing working relationship. So let's get started. Technological advancements in software and hardware capabilities have revolutionized the way we monitor cardiac rhythms. It has enabled instantaneous recording and continuous monitoring of a patient's heart health from the convenience of their home. This form of remote cardiac monitoring has given us a glimpse into what the delivery of medical care could look like for our patients. A patient can share cardiac rhythm recordings with their provider that might aid in their care. In fact, it appears that we may not be too far from this situation becoming a reality. In this episode, we will cover the role of personal and remote solutions in the current era of medical care, how the pandemic has affected this field, and the importance of FDA clearance on new technologies. In addition, we'll learn how an idea can, can be transformed into a reality that impacts the lives of so many. We will discuss this with not only a pioneer in this field, but someone we highly respect. Without further delay, let me introduce you to today's guest, Dr. David Albert. Dr. Albert is a physician, inventor, and serial entrepreneur. That's right, a serial entrepreneur. He's developed life-saving technologies and products, turning a number of these innovations into tech startups today. He's the founder of three technology companies, Innovative Alarm, if I'm saying that correctly, Lifetone uh, Technology, and AliveCore. His latest invention, this AliveCore's Cardia Mobile personal ECG technology, became a global sensation by means of a simple YouTube video in January 2011. And it's become now featured on ABC, CBS, CNN, Fox News, and that's just naming a few. Dr. Albert has 72 issued U.S. patents. A large number of those are pending and several new secret inventions in development. He has authored or co-authored more than 100 scientific abstracts and publications, all mostly in the field of cardiology. Dr. Albert has lectured at the entrepreneurship programs at the MIT Sloan School and the University of Oklahoma. He graduated with honors from Harvard College and from Duke University Medical School. Dr. Albert, what a true honor to have you today. Thank you so much for taking time to join us. Well, Anthony, thank you for inviting me, and I'm always glad to work with my friends, colleagues, and collaborators at Mayo Clinic. Full disclosure, Mayo is, is both a collaborator and an investor in my company, AliveCore, but it wouldn't be that way if I didn't believe I was working with the best. So thank you for the introduction. You're very kind. No, I, I think we feel the same. And it's been such a, a true pleasure to see all that's uh, transpired over the years. And before we get into kind of the personal remote solutions, I think personally, one of the most interesting thing is, you know, how you've 
come about in not only building these companies as a entrepreneur, but bringing them to the market that are now used globally. And namely, let's kind of focus on a live core device that from a simple YouTube video has become a sensation to many of us that we now have and can use it at our home. Maybe you could tell us in our audience about you know where this idea originated from, and then maybe a little bit of a journey from creating a company from initial idea to bring it to the marketplace. This idea actually dates back 25 years to the mid-1990s when I had another company called Data Critical that ultimately was sold to General Electric. It was the beginning of the portable computing revolution. So we had Palm Pilots and Palm Top computers. They were a far cry from our current smartphones, which would have been a, a supercomputer at the time. And so I saw that this wireless communication, which was brand new, these portable computing devices, which were in their infancy, could potentially be used to draw a straight line between a patient and a caregiver, between a patient and a cardiologist, and that you could send critical life information. You know, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Your cardiac rhythm could go from that patient who is in need directly to a doctor, each of them on each side having a portable computing wireless device. Now that was an idea. We fooled around with it and the device we built, the solution we built was totally impractical. It was a Rube Goldberg, it had wires and cell phones and it was just a mess, but it was an idea. So fast forward to the advent of our current smartphones, the original iPhone, the genius of Steve Jobs was to turn the phone into a software platform where there would be a lot of value added. So today we order our transportation, our food, our banking, everything through this device that is the portal through which we control our life. It's really the remote control. And so I saw that in the beginning and said, this is going to be the platform that finally makes my idea a reality. And after a couple of years, we were able to build at first a smartphone case that was a personal single EDCG device. I made this video, I thought I was sending it to three people and 24 hours later I had 250,000 views. I had people all over the world calling me and I became fast friends. I had somebody who you probably have heard of, a guy named Dr. Eric Topol called me up and said, Dave Albert, I've got to have one of these devices. This is the future. And I went, well, Okay, Eric, yeah, great. We were both mutual friends with another doctor you've heard of, Dr. Rob Califf, who'd been the second author on my first paper at Duke. And I'd known Rob for 40 years and he had been a big collaborator with Eric's. So that began, again, Eric has no vested interest in my company, has, been, has written about us in all of his books because he's a believer in the power of mobility, in the power of empowering the patient, his book, the patient will see you now emphasizes that. And so I was lucky enough to have people share in the excitement of this idea. Smartphones were very new in 2010. In fact, I was told that if you're 65 or over, you're not gonna have a smartphone. And those are the people that need heart monitoring. And I was told by people who are very knowledgeable that one, nobody over 65 is gonna pay $99 for a device. No doctor's going to interpret it unless they can get reimbursed. And you don't have any of that, Dave. So I'm sorry, it's not going to work. Two million customers later, 600,000 active users today, 
140 million ECGs later, those people have admitted, hey, you were right. Well, I had a little bit of Wayne Gretzky. I didn't skate to the puck. I skated to where the puck was going. And where it is, is we've mobilized our lives. Again, the smartphones, the remote control for many things we do today. I look at the pictures of my granddaughter, including my new 10-day-old granddaughter, on my smartphone. I get videos, I get movies. It really is our point of contact with much of what we do today in the modern world. So I would tell you I was fortunate to be at the beginning of the tsunami of the mobilization of our lives, of the smartphone enabling of our lives. And I think that enabled venture capital. So I'd already done it once. I'd successfully started a medical device, cardiovascular company. I'd sold it to a major company. And so I had a little bit of credibility, but this device captured people's imagination, like Eric Topol, Dr. Leslie Saxon, who was chief of cardiology at USC, and others, people at Mayo Clinic. When the experts believe in it, suddenly the money men believe in it. So the venture capitalists came to me, along with people like Qualcomm, a very IP high-tech company who's been an investor from the beginning in AliveCore. And so, you know, I was able to raise a little bit of money after putting my money in, in the beginning. And at first, we didn't have FDA clearance. My video, I had people at the FDA calling me at the Consumer Electronics Show when I did the video saying, uh, Dave, you're not supposed to do that. I go, listen, I had no idea. I didn't even know what a viral video was. Viruses to me are bad things like Omicron, okay? They, they, they weren't good things. They weren't things that were important. So that was part of being an old entrepreneur. At the time I was in my mid fifties, I'm 67 now. You know, I wasn't a 25 year old uh, geek. I was a fairly savvy adult professional. I, I had no idea the power of a viral idea. And so it became a viral idea. Then it, you know, we started a company in the first year we sold to veterinarians because there's no regulatory burden. We'll get into that for veterinarians. And literally, you could go on the internet today and see an alive core device being used on an eagle, on a grizzly bear, on a koala, in addition to dogs, cats, horses, all over the world. Then we got our first FDA clearance in 2013 and began selling to humans, to human doctors. And since then, we were a lone voice talking about personal ECG. And then in 2018, maybe just the world's biggest, most profitable, most valuable company decided that personal ECG was important. And of course, the day they did that and came out, I, I thought, well, I'm dead. And our lead investor, a very famous venture capitalist named Vinod Kosla, said it's the best thing that ever happened to you, Dave. And we've only grown 700% since then. So he was absolutely right. They brought it into the mainstream. And so today we have TV ads. People see them all the time. We've, we have a brand. I didn't, I'm a medical guy. I don't, what's a brand? That's something at Procter & Gamble. But we have a brand that we've built. And so we've come full circle, bringing a real medical device with real clinical validation. We have over 170 peer-reviewed papers a number with my collaborators at Mayo Clinic. And so we have a lot of validation. Every major health system uses us. Mayo Clinic, maybe there's another clinic somewhere over in Ohio, Mass General, all of Duke, my alma mater, Cedars-Sinai, UCSF, 
basically every major medical center in our country, in Canada, in Europe. Uh, recently, we received what's called NICE guidance, which means the NHS said, this is a valuable technology and we're going to pay for it. And that took <laughs> it's an overnight success, only took eight years. So I would tell you, we're an overnight success 10 years in the making, Anthony. And I feel very fortunate that that idea I had in 1995 that was impractical today is used by millions of people and that we attracted large competitors, but that we were able to stake our claim and still thrive despite having maybe just the world's biggest companies competing against us. What a, an amazing story. I mean, you're right. It's from an idea that all these are even a struggle, or, but, you know, and yours, a, a solution, but still something that almost clung on to you and it hung on all through those years that finally, you know, when the the renaissance of all this technology stuff came to life and the iPhone and all these uh, capabilities, and, and it's right, the, the phone is with us everywhere we go. You know, I have mine <laughs> beside me almost all day. Right. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what are the effects of that long term. But it's amazing everywhere we go. And it, so it just makes sense that giving this personal solution and not only doing that, you mentioned that straight line, the shortest distance. Uh, I mean, that's as close as you can get. And from there, almost transmitting to the doctor. It, it's it's incredible. Uh, applause to you because, yeah, we certainly love it. It's been uh, it's amazing. You kind of gain that academic validation that it seems like it set off everything. And I think that company, if I may guess who you were talking to, may be Apple, because I think you were ahead of them in this. Is that right? Well, uh, I would just say we were the pioneer. <laughs> sure. You know, the yeah. only, only problem, Anthony, about pioneers is the definition of a pioneer are people with arrows in their backs. So I don't take off my shirt when I go swimming anymore because the scars are ugly. Amazing. Well, you know, the next thing, you know, thanks for sharing that story, because uh, I could stop there and, and say we had a, a great talk. But uh, let's talk about the medical care today. And actually, how do we bring this? What do you see as the role of these personal, these remote solutions in medical care today? Well, I think we've had two years of very unusual circumstances. We've had a global pandemic. And that pandemic has touched all parts of the world. And the healthcare system, you know, my wife is a faculty at USC. She's a rheumatologist. My son was a frontline internist at Cedar sinai one of our biggest hospitals. And so we've all lived COVID for two years now. And what did that do? Well, certainly for 2020, it made medicine go remote. It decreased significantly the people coming in for clinic visits and things of that nature. That impacted Mayo Clinic. It impacted every physician, every healthcare organization. And so we just happened to be there. And we were certainly a beneficiary because you're following somebody up who may have had an ablation, may have had surgery. You know, they don't want to come in and you're not having them come in for a routine follow-up. So they can have a cardia device. They can send you the rhythm. You're not in atrial fibrillation. You're in sinus rhythm. That's great. How's your medicine? How are you feeling? And so we all became used to telecare and telemedicine and remote care. And while it's come down from the peak, it's still going to be a part. And now we have hospital at home. Hospital at home, Mayo Clinic's been a pioneer along with a number of others where we're going to move acute care, not critical, but acute care into the home and where we find it's both economical and very effective. So I think the notion of remote medicine, 
we're still going to have our hospitals. We're still going to have our ORs, our ICUs. We, we have to have those. But we're also going to have a larger component of remote care. And I think the pandemic simply accelerated that. It accelerated the adoption of a live core. I'm proud to say that 2021 was even better than 2020. 2020 was a huge gain for us because people now are used to it. It, it, it helped people get over maybe any anxiety they had about, oh, I'm going to take my EKG. I'm going to send it to my doctor. I, I don't think anybody worries about that today. And so that, that was helpful to us. But I think it's also really helpful to the patients. They have an option. You know, Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota is a mecca for people from all over the world, but they go back home. And so when they go back home to come up for a follow-up at six months, nine months, one year, you know, probably that follow-up or a number of them can be handled remotely today. They still get their Mayo doctor. They still get their Mayo consultants. They still get that Mayo intellect and medical knowledge, but it's handled remotely. And so I think we're, we're proud that we've helped enable that in, in, in some ways for cardiology. Yeah, it's been clear the pandemic, as you mentioned, has accelerated that uptake in how we monitor our patients at home. And as you mentioned here, a lot of our patients at Mayo end up going back home overseas, and we need a, a way to kind of monitor them. And it seems you answered the next question, which I was going to ask, do you think this will continue after the pandemic? Because we've seen that acceleration. I, and I think uh, from your answer, it seems very clear. You know, I, I wonder what your thoughts are on how this is enhance that doctor-patient relationship, given that almost immediate access or uh, way to connect? And, and do you, what do you think of its benefits more broadly to the healthcare system? You know, it's always patients first. I know at the Mayo Clinic, that's a mantra. It's a mantra in my life, patients first. And so if we can make their lives better, if we can make them easier, yet still take excellent care of them, then we're doing the right thing, whatever it is. And I think having routine follow-ups, being able to do those remotely, whether there's a pandemic or not, is a convenience for the patient. It does put the patients first. And so, you know, we're all getting used to it. We're on Zoom right now. We've all become expert Zoom users. I'm maybe not an expert, but the point is we've all been significantly introduced to video and video conferencing. I think it's it's not going to go away, and we're going to find new uses for it. I think things like emergency medicine, first responders, we will see more and more mobile remote care. And I still believe, you know, let's take a specific example, atrial fibrillation. You come in, you have a very successful procedure, an AFib ablation. What we know is some certain number of those patients will have a recurrence of their AFib. When does that happen? Traditionally, well, we've done studies like a Ziopatch or a Holter or whatever, and we've done them at specific times, snapshots. That recurrence can occur anytime. And so the ability to monitor people both long-term and on maybe even a daily basis becomes something valuable. It helps us stay in tighter touch with our patients and make sure that we're giving them the best care possible. It helps us live the words patients first. 
and you can see that not only from the reassurance side for the patient of, you know, are they doing okay and kind of calm their nerves, but also you could see it used cross seas and connecting, but even in a preventive way uh, of getting ahead of perhaps an, an alarming situation. Well, there's one other thing. So we've had a great collaboration with Dr. Mike Ackerman, one of the world's experts on, on uh, congenital heart problems. And Mike, we've been developing something that's going to be very exciting. It's already been used, was used during the pandemic, and that is to be able to monitor people's QT interval. Now, you're, it, since this is an ECG podcast, people will understand that. But the ability to be able to monitor, and we've published several papers with Mayo, to be able to monitor that at home when people are taking drugs, and quite frankly, there, there are scores of medications that are very effective, that are well needed, yet present a risk to the patient. And to be able to make sure that those patients are safe remotely without having them come in is gonna be a huge benefit. And we're excited, and I know Mike is, we're excited about the notion of QT becoming maybe another vital sign, but certainly something that's used in all these patients that are taking medicines, for instance, people that are struggling with addiction, methadone, QT prolonger, all the patients that are dealing with some severe psychiatric issues, almost all their medications, QT prolongers, people around the world who are dealing with drug-resistant tuberculosis and malaria, all the medicines for them, QT prolongers. And so we're excited, uh, along with our collaborators at Mayo, that we're going to be able to enhance patient safety in a remote, you know, mobile fashion. And that, again, puts patients first. No, you, you could cl clearly see that. We have some patients that are admitted for essentially drug or antiarrhythmic loading and, and monitoring them. And, and sometimes, you know, they're taking up a bed that maybe is not necessary, but we have to make sure they're safe. You know, again, the patient coming first, but you can imagine even those on antiarrhythmics, but maybe now they need a, an antibiotic, as you mentioned, and, you know, having, being able to prescribe something without having to admit them or uh, do all these routine checks you could see the value in there. That's Go right. Ahead. You're on Sotolol, a drug that prolongs QT that we load in the hospital. You're in your street clothes. You're taking an oral medication and you're taking up a hospital bed. That is a precious resource. You know, we're going to be able to keep those people safe. And then, by the way, they're out at home and they develop a sinusitis and they go to a doc in the box and they're prescribed azithromycin, a Z-Pak, became famous during COVID. That's a QT prolonger, but they're already on one the ability to make sure they're safe and give them the medicines they need is, is going to be a, a powerful solution. And we're just happy to collaborate with Mayo on delivering that uh, here in the, in the very near future. Yeah, no, it's a win-win for everyone uh, in that situation. And before we end, I wonder if you could speak a little bit about the value of pursuing FDA clearance really to fortify that relationship and the confidence of, between the patient and provider in these remote monitoring devices. It's true. People appreciate the fact that the FDA is very diligent in evaluating new technologies, be it something like AI, be it something like a new mobile computing device. Uh, I'll give you a prime example. A live core just about two weeks ago introduced a brand new remote ECG. It's a credit card and it has a three year battery life. And this device went through the FDA, went through clinical validation. And that not only helps those consumers, and by the way, not every consumer is a patient, 
but every patient is a consumer. So they respond to the same things that people buying soap do. And that FDA is that good housekeeping seal of approval. It's also the good housekeeping seal of approval for the physicians like you, like me, that tells us that this is, you know, the FDA has two mantras, safety and efficacy. That's what they regulate. And so that tells the doctors as well as the patients that this is an efficacious, effective th uh, device, therapy, solution, and that it's safe. It is that good housekeeping seal of approval. It does give that confidence to those patients as well as to the doctors. And I think the rest of the world is adopting more like the FDA. So Europe is going to something called medical device or MDR from MDD. They're becoming stricter as are other places around the world. India has never had any regulation. They're developing regulations. Why? Because some places, snake oil. And, you know, we may be in the 21st century, but there's 21st century medical snake oil. And so uh, I think those countries care about their people. And so they don't want snake oil salespeople. And I think in the United States, the FDA makes sure we don't have that. No, I agree. We're always on the side of the prescribing component in asking our patients to accept it. But you can imagine us on the other side as a patient wanting to know what we're taking uh, has that backup of evidence to support what's being assigned. And we've seen it here firsthand what's what's new. And so thank you for sharing us the, the new advice. I mean, again, something personal, just like the one on the phone that started with it now right in your wallet. That's Remote correct. cardiac monitoring is changing how we envision the delivery of healthcare to our patients. Instantaneous recording and continuous monitoring can provide updates on cardiac health and even alert us to emergencies that might be prevented. While much works remains in how we deliver these digital health solutions, it's difficult to not be optimistic and excited about the possibilities that lie ahead. Dr. Albert, what incredible work you have done and continue to do to advance the delivery of care to patients globally. You are truly a pioneer in this field. On behalf of our team, thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today. We invite you to share your thoughts and suggestions about the podcast at cveducation.mayo.edu. Be sure to subscribe to a Mayo Clinic cardiovascular CME podcast on your favorite platform. And tune in every other week to explore today's most pressing electrocardiography topics with your colleagues at Mayo Clinic. This has been a Mayo Clinic podcast.